Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Consciousness Explorers podcast. My name is Jeff Warren, and with me here is my friend Tasha Schumann. Yo. So we are the podcast that's all about exploring real-time practice, getting some practitioners, some teachers from whatever modality to come in and guide us in a 10 or 15-minute practice, and we notice what we notice, and then we kind of explore afterwards what that tells us about ourself, about reality. So today's guest is... Sebene Selassie, who I'm very excited to have on. She is a fellow teacher of mine, actually, through 10% Happier. We've had her on at the Consciousness Explorers Club doing workshops. Uh, she's got a book out called You Belong. She's just a lovely human being. Tasha could say something about the practice. Yeah, I didn't previously know Sebene, although I'd heard of her. And I was so happy to connect with her on this episode. I found the practice, you know, of doing four elements. Her way of doing it was so grounded, so connected. Um, very embodied. And so it was very practical in that way. Yeah. The other practical thing I've found that I'll just mention at the top is we talk about how this practice is, it's almost like a diagnostic. As you connect into these different elements of earth, water, fire, and air, you kind of get clear about maybe where there's some imbalance in you. And so what element can kind of be boosted up. And I found that really interesting. It was sort of a way to get insight about your own kind of mind-body proclivities. So let's explore. Let's do it. Welcome, Sebene. Thank you, Jeff. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for being on. Thanks, Tasha. Nice to meet you. Likewise. So we're excited about this practice you're going to guide. Can you tell us a little bit about it and why you've chosen this? Yeah, so I'm going to guide us through mindfulness of the four elements of earth, fire, water, and air. This is a practice in the classical mindfulness teachings, but it doesn't get taught very often, um, kind of modern mindfulness spaces. So I like teaching it because um, I think it's really powerful and I believe we don't really pay enough attention to it. Yeah, normally when you do like mindfulness, it's usually like body, breath, thoughts. Right. So. Right. And and this is right in there within the first foundation of mindfulness, along with mindfulness of the breath and the other kind of body based. This is the classical practice. So, yeah, I just want to bring it back to these basics, which I think are really powerful. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm excited. Great. So we'll do maybe about 10, 12 minutes or so. And just inviting you to find a posture that's really comfortable for you. It doesn't have to be anything special or specific. Just want to make sure that you feel grounded. So you want to be sitting or standing or even lying down in a way that really allows you to rest on the floor, the earth, and see if you can find some openness in the body. So you don't want your front of your body to be collapsed. So if you're sitting, you can sit up straight. But you also want to have a sense of relaxation and softness too. So seeing how you can find that balance for yourself. We can begin by just noticing what's here right now. You might want to close your eyes or just allow them to gently rest as you come inwards. And just feeling the body right here. Just noticing sensations. And you can take a few deep breaths in and out on your own to just invite a sense of relaxation, receptivity.
And I'll be guiding us through these four elements, but if any time you kind of lose the plot or your mind starts to wander, it's not a problem. It's part of the process. It's not a mistake. You can just come back to my voice and wherever we are is fine. Just join back in to the instructions as we experience these four elements of nature in the body. So we'll begin as you continue to settle into your seat with this element of earth. The earth element is experienced as solidity. It's heavy, it's solid and stable. So just notice if you can connect to what feels grounded and dense in the body. With any of these elements, you can scan the body from top to bottom. So you can feel the bones of your skull, the flesh, muscle, and fat of the body, all that is solid and dense. Feeling this earth element in you as you connect to this solidity, feeling your connection to the earth, earth meeting earth. If you're scanning the body, perhaps feeling your butt in the seat or your feet on the floor, really knowing this earth element as solid and dense, the earth element in you connected to the earth element all around you, the floor, the furniture, the walls, the building that you're in, the trees around you. The mountain and the earth herself. Knowing you can connect to this earth element in any moment, feeling that solidity and groundedness as we move to this second element of fire. This element is all that is warm or hot or changing in temperature in your body. It's heat and vibration. Sometimes we can feel the fire element in the belly, in the heart, in the groin, 
where we can notice the fire element in temperature changing in the body. So again, you could scan the body from top to bottom or bottom to top and notice how the fire element makes itself present to you. Knowing that this fire element is epitomized by the sun in nature, the warmth of our planet keeping us alive, feeling that heat of fire within in balance to the heat of fire externally outside us. If you're scanning the body, perhaps noticing changes in temperature as part of the energy of this fire element, transmuting, changing. Knowing you can connect to this fire element as energy in the body in any moment as we turn our attention to the third element of water. Water is all that's smooth and flowing in the body, all that's fluid and moist. Most of our body is water. Perhaps you sense the saliva in your mouth, the moistness in the eyes, Perhaps you can even sense blood coursing through you. All that is fluid and flowing in your body, this is the water element in you. Perhaps you can sense this water element in balance with the water that covers our planet that's mostly made of water. The oceans and rivers and lakes, the clouds, the rain, the dew, the mist. Water is life.
And remembering we can connect to what is fluid and smooth and flowing in any moment through this water element as we come to this final element of air. Air is moving and changeable, it's light, ephemeral, and of course in our bodies the air element is the breath. So noticing the breath as you breathe in and out, becoming aware of the air element moving in and out of your lungs, nourishing your whole body. Perhaps you can connect to its lightness and changeability. And recognizing this air element moving in and out of the body, keeping you alive, is connected to the air all around you, the sky, the wind, to all breathing beings, the atmosphere. to all of space and time. Just resting with the breath here for final few moments as we end this meditation. Thank you. That was very nice. <laughs> that was like exactly what I needed today. Very grounding. That's good. I'm glad to hear that, Tasha. Jeff, do you wanna? Do you wanna? Do you have have? Do you, are the things that you felt into words yet? <laughs> I always find it takes a minute mm-hmm. after you get out of meditation to like give the things words. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for that. That was really settling. Well, I guess what I noticed was each element had a quite different effect on my experience when I sort of really connected to it. And they were all quite subtle. But for me, I, I felt like I, was, I could quite no, really notice the, the difference of the all four. The first being very grounding, and which was a wonderful way to start it. And then the second one was quite energizing for me, even to the point of a little bit uncomfortable, you know, kind of noticing the heat in my face and it was, it was, it got warm. And then the, the water one was a lot about equanimity for me. It was very opening. Everything felt like it kind of really opened then. 
And then with the air was almost the hardest to put into words, but it was sort of more of a merging feeling almost. I mean, I don't know if partly as the way you guided it. And that's the whole question of itself, you know, the effects of the thing we're paying attention to versus the person guiding, but it very much left me in this kind of wide open space. And I especially appreciate the invitation at the end of each element to like, you know, you could find this anytime or come back to it when you like. And but so there was a quite a progression for me. That was my, that's my little report. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt the same. Every, every element had such a different quality in my experience and in a really connected way, like it wasn't abstract for me. I think the one that landed the most was the fire one. And, you know, Jeff, I've mentioned this to you before, but earlier this year I was diagnosed with Graves disease, which is um, hyperthyroidism. And so my system is kind of constantly upregulated um, and kind of, you know, all over the place. So when we got to fire, I was, you know, feeling the heat in my body and my heart rate, which is always up lately. And it was crazy because normally that's a negative experience for me, or it's kind of like a managing experience. And this time, the way that you talked about fire had this aliveness. So I was able to look at all those experiences from kind of like this magical, you know, I could feel a power in it. So instead of this being this thing that annoys me throughout the day, it was kind of like just sitting in this, uh, you know, seat of potentiality kind of a thing. So it was a really cool kind of connection with that aspect of my experience. And then for the water, water and fire are often like quite at odds with each other. So it was an invitation for me to see the ways in which the excess of fire in my body makes me dehydrated or, you know, makes my eyes dry and things like that. So you could, they just they just kind of came together in such a, I don't know, like symbiotic experience, you know, that there is really, there is a balance here in my body, even if it's not the balance that I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then for the air one, it's such a lovely one to end it on because it's just so spacious. And as you were bringing us through that, I, I remembered something that I read in one of my yoga books that, you know, when we breathe, we have this idea that we're taking air in, that we're like, you know, forcefully pulling air out of the environment, but really your muscles just make space and then the air rushes in. So it's like the universe is breathing you. And, you know, it's just like this invitation to be like, oh yeah, I'm not like struggling Mm -hmm. against it. I'm not like forcefully breathing. It's just this, you know, complete relationship with the world. It's kind of, we're doing each other. (laughs) So after, after all those different sensations, it was just so kind of grounding to end Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. That's my report. Yeah. There's something about this practice that I didn't want to say this at the beginning. So I just wanted you and people to experience it as it is, but it takes a little getting used to, and it's a little strange to guide it for folks because I loved what you were pointing out, Tasha, because I think it, it is kind of a balancing practice so that I often come to it not going through the four elements all the time in a particular order, but really giving awareness to the element that I feel is most needed in that moment. So if I'm feeling really kind of airy, then I might want to connect to earth. Or if I'm feeling, you know, particularly fiery, I might want to connect to water. And Mm -hmm. uh, in that way, I find it a really practical invitation. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that practical is the word that kind of came up, but practical, not in like a day-to-day get stuff done type A kind of practical, but more in like a connecting to earth 
very like shamanic practical, you know, like applicable for being human. Yes. Shamanic is such a great term to use because that's sort of what struck me. I mean, this comes out of the Satipatthana Sutta, which is the main text on mindfulness. But, you know, as moderns, we kind of pick and choose what we're attracted to and we don't consider that we're bringing a particular lens to it. But when I first was led through this on a retreat, I really reflected on, oh, wow, you know, this is Chinese medicine. This is Ayurveda. This is every indigenous tradition on every continent. It's in, you know, ancient Egypt and ancient Greece. All, all indigenous cultures talk about the elements. And so what is the power of this and why, why have we left that out? I mean, we know colonization, modernity, <laughs> the enlightenment, yeah. all of it, you know, we're so in our heads, we called it mindfulness. Yeah. Um, and so bringing that back in is sort of connecting us to that indigeneity, that shamanic power of something that seems so basic, but it's actually super powerful. Absolutely. And another thing that I was thinking, as you said, that is, you know, the way mindfulness is often taught, and the way that we kind of present it to people, it's like, here's this tool to help you be better at work and better at sleep and, you know, just kind of focus on your breath and get rid of the things that are challenging, you know, or that's at least how a lot of people kind of approach it. It's like this betterment tool. But when you do it like this, it's kind of, I don't know, just like bringing you back to where you are in such a real way that it's so easy to connect with rather than that feeling of like, okay, I'm going to become better at things and better at life. So you have this thing about first of all that the practice is balancing and so you can use it as a kind of diagnostic and make those adjustments but far deeper than that is what you are guys are both pointing out the sense that it's deeply connecting that it connects us to our environment to the earth to what things are made of in a way that's so explicit so there's this kind of intimacy feeling or this sense of belonging or not being separate from everything else Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, another thing I didn't want to kind of prime is that in some ways, this practice uh, takes some getting used to because in the beginning, it feels almost like a contemplation to do what you're describing, Jeff, which is to recognize that we are nature too. Like nature is not out there or like in the woods far away from me. It's we are nature. And these four elements are just metaphors for the fact that we are of the same stuff as everything else in the universe. We all originated from this tiny, teeny, infinitesimally small point and uh, all matter can be described by these four things. And that is, is such a powerful thing to actually feel. In the beginning, it can be hard to actually feel it, you know, to, mm -hmm. to feel what is earth. Like, how do I feel that? So, you, you know, I can give words and pointers, but practicing with each element and starting to really sense the feeling and bring in that contemplative way of feeling that connection to what seems external to us, be it the sun or, you know, our hot tea, but we can start to really feel that these elements are are um, ways to dissolve those false barriers. Yeah. Mm. And I, Has there, I was go just going to say, uh, well, I forgot my point. <laughs> you go ahead. Whatever you're going to say. Yeah, it'll come back. To <laughs> I'm me. sorry. Sorry. I was just going to say, uh, Sabine, has there been um, a kind of progression for you, you know, over the years as you've done this practice, has it changed or evolved or deepened and can you maybe try to articulate if, if it has how it has yeah i first did this practice in you know more intensively i would say on retreat with uh venerable analio who's a, a theravadan monk from germany 
and he he teaches it in a very methodical, systematic way. So I was doing it like that in the beginning, really like bones, teeth, fat, flesh, like that density of earth. And we kind of have to find our own metaphors. And that that is really discovering what that felt sense is for you. And I can't explain it to you. I can just give you pointers. So for me, that was the process of discovery. It's like, what does water feel like in my body? You know, it's this kind of, it's not particular. Of course, I can feel the saliva and feel the moistness. And, but it, it's, it's a much more fluid, no pun intended, kind of <laughs> a, a, awareness, you know, of, of what that means. I've also, over time, started to integrate this into my daily awareness practice so that, you know, in any moment I can be in the shower and there's water element there, or I can be lighting mm. the stove and there's fire. And so the awareness of the elements starts to kind of permeate my life in, in all these different ways. Yeah. And you talk a lot about, you know, belonging, you know, that's like, it's what your book is about. And how do you feel? I mean, it feels viscerally like I, I can understand and see how this brings me to that understanding of belonging with, you know, just interconnectivity. How in a more concrete way is this a practice that makes you feel more connected to people? Because I think sometimes for myself anyways, I can feel connected to nature. I can feel connected to even animals, but it becomes more difficult when you're talking about people and because people are much more difficult and feel like separate entities. That's interesting. You know, I... I don't know if I've considered it in terms of the elements in that kind of conscious way as connecting to people, but what it has connected me to is our inherent indigeneity and our loss of that, like our lo the loss of our capacity to really deeply connect to the nature of things, mm -hmm. the nature of reality. I mean, I kind of have a tendency to classify myself and people as very fiery or very earthy or watery. So there, there's that. But more, I think more kind of powerful for me has been how this practice can connect all of us to that belonging, you know? So it's not kind of a psychological acceptance of people. It's more like we are all this. All of us are this. And this removes kind of the psychological aspects of being a human and connects us back to that elemental aspect of being human. Well, it's another way into that, of course, that kind of age old question, this idea of that we do these practices and they bring us into a kind of common humanity, a common groundwork or framework, common sense, a single thing that we belong to. And that's the, their great gift. And yet the paradox is we are also different and those differences matter. So I, I kind of feel like we need practices that do both these things. Maybe not the same practice, but practices that help us understand the unique ways we're different and can support that difference. And then practices that are also about highlighting the ways in which we're connected and the ways in which that we share what, what we share. Yeah, that's a big thing. I know your, your, your book explores these themes. Is there anything about that that comes up for you? Yeah, that, that, that is like, that is the theme of the book. It's like, we are not the same, but we are not separate. So we are interconnected and we're different. And for me, I notice that I can kind of ricochet between those two poles, depending how I am feeling. So part of it is recognizing where we are. You know, if we're kind of leaning towards the harmony because we want to 
because we're trying to avoid the dissonance and, you know, kind of, we're all one. Why are we arguing? Why is difference coming up? If that, if that's where we're going, then yes, we need practices that can help us explore differences, relationality, you know, to see our own minds, to see the biases, to see the clinging, um, to see what's not usually seen. And I know that I can swing to the other side a lot. Like, kind of get lost in the complexity, get lost in identity, get lost in difference. And so these grounding practices that really help me connect to something um, that is timeless, that's also the truth, have been important for me. And so each of us has to kind of do our own work. And sometimes those things fall along, you know, racial lines or gender lines that, you know, you have a lot of white people clinging to harmony. You have people of color kind of clinging to complexity and difference. But not always, you know, and so we have to sort of do our own investigating to see where that is. You can't help but notice it feels like in our culture more generally, when you're younger, you notice your own differences and you you develop certain sensitivities that are overlooked by people who are older. And that's why that so many of the great, to me, so much good activism comes out of young people noticing before what had just been taken for granted, but now they're able to see and feel and chafe against ways in which there had been structures in place that they, that were invisible to an older generation. And so they're kind of the great articulators and of, of difference in some ways. And then as you get older, you, you, you start maybe missing the boat a little bit more on differences because there, there's a sense in which as you get older, you start to um, relax your own, I guess, the sense of those differences and what comes more to the fore or maybe some of those more unifying pieces. Now, I don't know if, if you two feel that way, but I've just sort of, that's kind of an observation of, you know, as a you know anthropologist kind of seeing that out there. Yeah, absolutely. Even just from, uh, from the psychological perspective, you know, when you're young, the job of your mm -hmm. psyche is differentiation. You're, you know, you're building your personhood. And so it's like, you know, the music that you listen to is super defining and the clothes you're wearing are different than theirs and it fairly defines you. And so it's like, yeah. you know, that's the job of, of your psychology at that point is like, you know, you're seeing difference everywhere. And I've noticed it too, as I, you know, as I'm getting older, it's like, you've seen all the differences so many times that you're like, yes, there is difference, but really this, the secret overarching thing is how similar we all are, you know? And so that's when I, I totally agree with you. You start to lean more into like the harmony of things or how we're all kind of the same. And both of those things are necessary, I think, in the evolution of people. That's so interesting. I haven't really thought about it that way, but it makes so much sense. And I'm, I'm wondering too, if that process of differentiation, you know, kind of helps us just orient to our own path, because mm -hmm. that's probably part of the challenge of the the sameness is that then we kind of lose sight of our uniqueness and our, our unique purpose and voice, or we can, especially if the forces around us are conspiring to have us conform. So yeah. it's, it almost saves young people from, from that conformity, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I think part of it as you get older is you just get more tired. <laughs> you, know, you you realize how much energy it takes to maintain separateness, yeah. to maintain these boundaries, you know. And I know for myself, as I'm approaching 50 here, it's like I have gotten so much smarter about which battles I'm going to do. Mm. And, and, and by battles, I mean, I don't just mean the external ones. I mean, the million subtle internal battles mm -hmm. that I used to be engaged in all the time, the little ways in which I needed to 
uh, show that I was different or I need to hold up this accomplishment or this thing. And mm. you get, there's definitely been a sense of like, Oh God, I'm, I'm, that's so tired. I'm so tired. <laughs> I took so much energy. I just let go of that. Let go of that. Let go of that. Let go of that. I don't know if seven, you feel this, but I think for me too, there's so much pressure as a person of color to identify as a person of color. And there's so much going on to fight for right now. And sometimes I feel tired about doing that. Sometimes I don't want to be, you know, the poster child for a movement. I just want to be and I want to see the ways I'm similar to other people, you know. So and then you feel there's that extra layer of, well, I guess I should be. I, I should be fighting for difference and stuff like that. So it's this internal struggle. It's not just out there in the world. Yeah. And and sometimes it's imposed from the outside. And sometimes we, we get so... um comfortable in our particular conversation or community and you know we miss out on the freedom that's possible mm-hmm. in balancing you know balancing towards that connection and lack of separation so it's again you know sort of understanding where we we might need to lean to balance in that dichotomy and that to see that it's not either or but um i i feel like people of color also need our own spaces for this reason. Mm-hmm. So we can do practices that are specifically designed for for us. Absolutely. Yeah. And how, how do you feel in that sense? How do you feel um, the community is flourishing or that you've seen a lot of change or not change in, in finding spaces for people of color to practice? Oh, a lot of change. Um, yeah. yeah, when when we first started having uh, POC spaces in New York, you know, it was pretty much one or two groups, and and everybody came because they were the only one or two groups. <laughs> yeah. They were huge gatherings, actually. And and now, well, forget it. Now online, I mean, there's a POC group every day, multiple times a day that you can find to practice with. And I think the conversation for that reason is getting more nuanced and recently I've seen and have also been myself um, creating space for also affinity groups within POC groups mm-hmm. so that, you know, even through Zoom, just creating breakout rooms for uh, South Asian diaspora people or for um, African and Black diaspora people and for, you know, Pacific Islander, Asian American people. And that that has been really powerful to allow people to start to, even within those, you know, their limiting identifications, but to sort of kind of create more complexity and possibility within this huge label POC, which has started to become a little useless in some ways. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Should we ask a couple of just practical questions about this yeah. uh, elements meditation? Um, just in terms of if someone listening to this were interested in doing this as a regular practice, do you have any tips for them or any um, just kind of practical insights about how that could work? Yeah, we spoke to it a little bit. I think it takes some time for some of us. It feels a little bit more like a contemplation than a felt sense meditation in the beginning, or it can especially if we have a tendency to kind of not be embodied in our practice, which is something most of us as moderns have to work on. You know, mm-hmm. we, we tend to be in our heads more. We're trained that way from, you know, the time we're little. So it's not our fault. It's just that we have to kind of reorient. I know you talk a lot about this, Jeff, to, to really feeling. So that, that can take a little time. So uh, not getting kind of tripped up by that. And I brought in the contemplation about trees and earth and water kind of externally, but it could be helpful maybe to just focus on the internal if if 
you can't quite get the hang of it in the beginning. And, um, and then also remember that the mindfulness instructions actually talk about being aware internally, being aware externally, being aware both internally and externally. And that is the most repeated frain in the teachings on mindfulness. Mm. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. And so that invitation, I think, is a powerful one, especially for the elements um, and starts to bridge that connection. And then, you know, day to day, you can bring this not as a, it doesn't have to be like a 20 minute elements meditation. It could just be something you do at the beginning of your practice or the end of the practice to just sense these experiences, these metaphors, and then see how you can carry it into your day. So I constantly ground, um, like you were saying, Jeff, you know, with my feet because they're farthest from my head and really feel the earth element. That's the one that's kind of most powerful for me a lot of the time. And bring it into a relationship around you. Like my desk is made of wood. That is the earth element. And when I, you know, I'm heating up some water, that is the fire element. Uh, when I'm drinking or sweating, um, that is the water element. So you start to really experience how these elements are alive for us in any moment. Very cool. Is there anything, uh, 7A, that you know, anything left maybe to say about the practice itself before we uh, start to move into our final lap here? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, the the kind of sacred, really connecting aspect of this is just so powerful for us in the midst of all of the complexity and all the challenges right now to not forget that we're basically like magical beings. <laughs> I feel that too a lot that sometimes you're just like don't you realize this is all just unbelievable <laughs> you realize that, that we're inside this magical freaking cosmic mystery which nobody understands and the, the relationship to the inside and the outside and that you yourself can come into a profoundly different relationship with reality in these practices this needs to be like very yeah. well, this needs to be said again <laughs> and again and again and again in life. And I think that's like what all these practices are, right? They're all just like these arrows pointing to that and whichever one kind of mm -hmm. wakes you up to that is a good practice for you. You know, that's why I love hearing all these different practices because I'm like, for somebody, this is the ultimate doorway into seeing how awesome everything is. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. More mystery. More mystery. Yeah. More mystery. It was seven days, but it's such a pleasure. It's been so great. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for being on. Thanks for tuning in to the Consciousness Explorers podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like this episode, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. See you next week for a whole new adventure.